Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. And welcome into another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland podcast, a Cleveland Browns podcast interviewing top personalities from around the country discussing all the pressing issues that face our Cleveland Browns. Today, very special guest, friend of mine, a longtime friend of show, Shane Carter, uh, Twitter comedian on Twitter. Follow him at Shane Carter TX. Uh, he's a producer at Flow Sports and writer for the A to Z Sports uh, Dallas, uh, A to Z Sports in Dallas, covering the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, what is up, my dude? How are you? I'm good. It's always good to, be, good to be back on the show. I think this is my fourth time on here, something like that. Frequent flyer. Yep. Uh, <laughs> friend to show, as always. Uh, we love to have Shane on. Shane used to cover the Browns, so he has a good, intimate knowledge of Browns workings. I'm sure you still pay attention to what's going on, right? I do. I, uh, yeah. you know, like you said, the Browns, the Browns actually gave me my first writing opportunity when I wrote for uh, for fan sided for Dog Pound Daily. So I always got a little place in my heart for the Dog Pound. And sure. I've, I've said it once, I said it again. Like y'all, y'all's team might get the shaft more times than not, but y'all got some of the most loyal fans in the world, and that's that's regardless of sport. Absolutely. All right. So Shane is on for multiple reasons. One, because I just like to get his thoughts on things in general, but uh, also, obviously, uh, the Browns make a blockbuster trade uh, for Amari Cooper, uh, sending away a fifth and sixth round pick, getting back a sixth rounder and Amari Cooper. The comp- People don't really understand. Like Some people I heard, like Pat McAfee, freaking out about it being a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper. But what they don't understand is it's the compensation, right? I mean, basically, it's the unloading of $20 million that becomes guaranteed this year, halfway through the month, I think. Uh, for injury guarantee. Now the Brown on the Brown side of things, you gotta like it because not only when you're seeing these guys today, as the legal tampering period opens up, guys getting big money, and you've got Cooper uh, at twenty million dollars a year for this year guaranteed, which will guarantee. It's not guaranteed yet, but it will guarantee. Uh, but after this year, none of it's guaranteed. So if it works, fantastic. And you can either, you know, renegotiate a contract, pay him his $20 million, whatever you want to do next year. Or you can let him go, and it can be a one-year thing. Um, I kind of want to get your thoughts on Amari in general. You know, the outside perspective, and I've done some work on him, obviously, since the trade happened, right? He's not, he's a legit number one, in my opinion, right? Um, number one wide receiver in this league. Known for his route running. Uh, he's a technician. Uh, he, you know, bigger, thicker, stronger guy, very fast, uh, great route running, precise route runner, uh, will get open and is a deep ball threat. And that's kind of where I look at him and we'll do some comparisons kind of to like OBJ a little bit in a minute here, but because he didn't work in Cleveland and, and it's odd. I don't know if you know this, Shane, but three years to the day. Uh, from when they traded for Odell Beckham Jr., they trade for Amari Cooper, kind of freaky deaky there. Tell me your thoughts on Amari. Uh, obviously, I, I think you probably like him a lot. Uh, what do you think of this move for the Browns? Well, I love for the Browns, not just because of what it does for your offense, but because of the compensation it took to get him. And I told people on Twitter this, and I talked to my A to Z writing team about this, that realistically, there's probably a better offer on the, on the table for Amari Cooper, but the only way they were going to trade him, and they stated this, was if a team was able to take on his his $20 million guaranteed uh, contract. 
And the Browns, obviously, all they had to get was a fifth and swap six with the Cowboys, and that was probably the best offer they were going to get to absorb that kind of money. More than likely, if a team was going to offer a third or a fourth round pick for Amari Cooper, they wanted the Cowboys to take on some of that contract, even though he wasn't going to be there, and they weren't willing to do that. As far as the Browns' offense goes, I would, uh, you know, Amari Cooper has, has dealt with some slight injuries like a hamstring or a calf or something like that, but he still plays through it. And you already mentioned he's a route technician. He's one of the elite route runners in the game. He's up there with the, the Keenan Allens, the Stephon Diggs, the Cooper Cubs in terms of route running ability. And what he did for this offense was in 2018 when he was brought in to, to pair with Dak Prescott, they needed someone to, that was not only to, had uh, the surefire hands that was kind of catch the ball, they needed someone to get open. At the time before Amari Cooper got there, their, their, their top receivers were a rookie, Michael Gallup, who hadn't broken out yet, Alan Hearns, and um, – I believe it was Deion. No, it was Cole Beasley. It was Cole Beasley. Was it Cole Beasley? I can't remember if Cole Beasley left. I think Cole Beasley actually left at that time. That's right. And Deontay Thompson was the other guy. So they had a bunch of relatively no-name players out there playing receiver. Yeah. What Amari did was he opened up the field. He stretched the field open for you and allowed Dak to, to go through his progressions more. He found a true number one target. And what that did is it improved Michael Gallup to be a true number two receiver. And we saw that the following year when Michael Gallup went over 1,100 yards and Randall Cobb came in and was, I think, just 60-something yards shy, going over 1,000. So they were that close to having 3,000-yard receivers um, uh, the following year. And with Coop, it was never it was never really an injury thing because he was always playing through injuries. It was the fact that – and you mentioned it – the price tag compared to, his, compared to his numbers. And his numbers weren't that great. He didn't have 1,000 yards. He he only had two games to show we were in over 100, 100 yards, and only one of those games that he actually played with Dak Prescott. Dak uh, was sat the Minnesota game, and that was the game where Cooper Rush came in. But, you know, the numbers show that he has been Dak's most reliable receiver since being here, not just because of his hands, not just because of his strength. He did put on some weight in the offseason, since you mentioned that, but because he gets open. That's his, that has been his, uh, his best attribute, and that'll work for any offense. Uh, so I think Cleveland is trying to do the same for Baker Mayfield, what Coop did for, for Dak. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, um, his his best year, we're kind of looking at the numbers here, 2019 was his best, yeah, his best year in the league with Dallas. That would have been with Dak Prescott. He uh, caught 79 balls for uh, almost uh, 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns, right? Really good numbers across the board, uh, almost 10 yards per target. So really nice numbers that year. But it's interesting meets too that in 2020, which was mostly without Dak Prescott, right? Uh, he also right. went over a thousand yards. So, I mean, so that's kind of like, hey, you know, no matter who's throwing this guy the ball to Cleveland fans who are concerned about Baker Mayfield and the quarterback position, hey, this guy got, gets open a number of guys quarterbacking that position that year, right? I think. Um, without Dak there, who was that mainly that year in 2020? Uh, that was Andy Dalton for most of the time, and they also Dalton. had Ben DiNucci and uh, Garrett Gilbert for, for a game apiece. And, and even that year, they, al- they almost had a they almost had a pair of 1,000-yard receivers because C.D. Lamb was just 30 yards shy yep. in that year. But that also shows yeah. you like, what uh, Amari Cooper can do for even a lesser quarterback like Andy Dalton. Great point. That's the, exactly the point I'm trying to hit on right there is, you know, uh, Baker coming off of a poor year, people concerned about him. I think he's going to bounce back when he's healthy, but you know that not a lot of people have confidence in that. But to, if, for those that don't have confidence in that, you can see what he did in an offense with a lesser quarterback than Dak Prescott. So the numbers are down a little last year. Games played down uh, to fourteen, or games started down to fourteen last year out of seventeen. I'm sure that played into a little bit, but and a lot more weapons there in Dallas now too. Uh, obviously, what do you? Uh, let's go to a Dallas perspective on this real quick. What do you think about their decision to to trade Cooper and bring back Gallup off the injury? Because I kind of thought I, I didn't know. Maybe you knew this was coming. I thought Gallup was gonna. They were gonna let Gallup walk in free agency and, and just kind of hang on to Cooper. I think this move goes beyond the field, if I'm, if I'm being honest. Because on okay. the field, uh, there's two different kinds of receivers. Gallup's a good route runner, but his, his best attributes are his physicality in one-on-one situations and his ability to stretch the secondary. He's their best deep threat, for lack of a better word. Um, and Coop, as we talked about, is really good at playing that Y and Z receiver spot. He didn't like to play the X. He's done it. 
But I mean, if you see him on the field, he's better in the slot or bunched out to the, to the Z. Yeah. Um, but a couple things uh, hit hit off the field that probably were led more to this than anything else. Coop was vocal about his, how much he he was being displeased about not really being used in the offense all that much. He was vocal about that. He said on the radio, he's yeah. he's made it clear that he wanted to be a big part of the offense. Now he didn't say Kellen Moore sucks, Dak sucks. He just said he, he said I know I could be a big part of this offense. I know I can contribute. I know I can make a difference. And people kind of yeah. took that and ran with it. But, yeah, but, 26 less targets last year than the year before. Right. Uh, 68 catches to 92 the year before. So, yeah, his usage went down big time. Right. And another thing that, that factored into this is that, and I don't know if you know this or not, but the Cowboys are one of the most uh, vaccinated teams in uh, in the league. And Jerry Jones has been a proprietor of players on the teams getting vaccinated. He didn't, like, he didn't like the fact not only that Coop wasn't vaccinated, but that he would be spotted at Mavs games uh, sitting courtside uh, maskless, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't abide by the protocols. And, Interesting. And, for those, and for those that don't really uh, understand what that means, he is always around the quarterbacks. He's always around the offensive personnel. And, and that uh, led to him being a high risk of infecting Dak. And if you lose Dak for a game, that changes the offense drastically. Now I know that sure. Cooper Rush pl- uh, played that one game in Minnesota and played well, because I believe that Cooper Rush is probably a second tier backup quarterback. If you really want to discuss backup yeah. quarterbacks in the league, but, <laughs> But that, but he became a liability in that regard, and then yeah. once they entered this season um, with with the cap situation that they had, with the players that they needed to keep, they uh, they, they saw Coop and his cap number, which was sixteen to release, sixteen to trade, as as replaceable because they already had CD Lamb, who was going to be the new wide receiver one. They said sure. they said Coop, you, you earned that money when we paid you, but you hadn't really played up to that contract recently. Yeah, and with Gallup, him and Dak have a strong connection off the field and. I know this is kind of a touchy subject, but for those that don't know, is that there's their uh, their their friendship, if you, want to, if you want to call it that. I don't know. I don't know them personally, but it became stronger because both of them in the last couple of years lost a brother um, to to suicide. And wow. and, and, and and yeah, and they and they've been there for each other for that, for that regard. And so that and that kind of brought together with that. And not only that, like is that Gallup is is that they have route runners on the team, and that's what Amari is. Amari is one of the best route runner on, the, on in the, in the game, but they have route runners on the team. C.D. Lamb is yeah. a pretty good route runner. Gallup's a good route runner. What they didn't have was that guy to to stretch the secondary to go deep, and they needed that with Gallup. And Gallup was his guy who he could just who probably the only guy on the team that he could just throw it up and know he's going to catch it. Because Gallup, when he's on the field, is probably their best athlete at the receiver position. Sure. Yeah, so, I get that. Big fan of Gallup, but I, you know, I was I would uh, have loved to see the Browns go after him if he was going in free agency. Yeah, he was one of the guys I circled. You know, the injury scared me off a little bit. It's hard to pay a lot of money to a guy that's injured, but I'm sure Dallas has done their work and they feel like he's going to bounce back from that. Obviously, or else they wouldn't have given the deal they gave today, right? Yeah, and considering that where the receiver market's going, and we saw today Christian Kirk is four years, 68 mil. Mike Williams got three years, 60 mil. Considering where the receiver market is headed, this is actually a bit of a discount because his cap number this year is only going to be about $4 million. And if and if he can't pan out by next year, his year three is, is a void year that, that they can get out from his contract. So the way they structured it and the way – that he's going to get paid, he'll be able to get compensated for the amount of, the amount of work he's put in, but it won't stranglehold the, the the salary cap the way that Coops was about to and Ezekiel Elliott's has. Sure, makes a lot of sense, and uh, younger player too, right? So uh, it makes sense for Dallas, and it makes sense for Browns, right? They had to. They were going to have a tough time, let's be honest, going out and you get in free agency and getting a, a number one guy to come to Cleveland uh, without wildly overpaying and and giving them uh, guaranteed money for, you know, multi-year guaranteed money. This is a way they could bring in a number one without the player's control, right? They had to make this deal happen before he hit the open market, right? Um, and... and it's my understanding that Dallas was going to, at some point, let him hit the open market or cut him, right, if it came to that. But the Browns made it happen before then, took on the entire contract, knowing that, hey, we'll pay the $20 million this year, and that we know next year if, if we don't want to, we don't have to pay him a thing, and he can walk next year. And that's where they get that flexibility, and then that way they don't have to go. They immediately can replace Landry, more than Landry. I think he's a better player than Landry. Um, he's a legit number one, and then then they can work off of that. Then they release Landry and free up that free up sixteen million that way or fifteen one that way uh, today. 
Thoughts on the release of Landry for the Browns? Were you surprised to see that happen? You kind of saw that coming. I, 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 I hate it because I love what Jarvis did for the organization, and always I, I will always love Jarvis Landry uh, for what he did for the Browns. But it's hard. It was hard to see that not coming after the 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 move for Amari. Yeah. Um... As far as Jarvis Landry goes, I mean, I wrote about the potential trade candidates for for Amari Cooper. The Browns were actually my number two option behind the Miami Dolphins. I thought the Miami Dolphins made the most sense, but the Browns were my number two option. One, because I believe Baker Mayfield has that has that same kind of trajectory that Dak has where he's a playoff quarterback. He had a slump last year, but you can change it with this guy who can get open for you. And I mentioned Landry as a possible move-on candidate in, in in that little snippet when I wrote about it, just because, like you said, you're going to free up $15 million when you release him. Cap uh, Coop's already going to take up uh, a, a $20 million for you, and he'll be a $16 million cap it. So essentially, they almost cancel each other out in a way, and yeah. you improve on the receiver position. And like you said, yep. I mean, Jarvis Landry really, is, really has been the best receiver the Browns have had since that one breakout year from Josh Gordon, maybe the best overall receiver since, uh, I don't know, you're – uh, Browns historian. You could probably mention mention more names, um, but for a long time, yeah. yeah now what absolutely. it does, is, yeah. Now what it does is it gets you a guy that it gets you a guy that gets you open like Jarvis Landry does. Jarvis Landry, for his lack of speed, was able to get open, but it gives you that guy who gives you that that YAC that yards after after the catch that Landry didn't really provide for you. And now I would assume, and you might be able to touch on this a little bit more, that the way the trio would lay out, it would likely be. Donovan Peoples-Jones on the outside. And then if they want to go with Anthony Schwartz, you probably put him at the Z because he's primarily going to be a deep threat receiver, which would oftentimes align Coop at the slot. And if you look at the numbers last year, Coop's best uh, production came primarily out of the slot. Yeah, it's interesting to me. I, I did notice that he has played in the slot. Um, I, I don't forget the percentage of last year, but it was a good a good amount of time, more than I expected when I looked at the numbers. I want to say it was around 25% or something like that um, in the slot. And that was more than I actually thought that he was in there. And he, and, and he has a high success rate in there too. So I like to see that, you know, the wide receiver room at this point for the Browns. And this – you can tell me what you think about this. You know, when I think of Barry, I think of the way that he's approached free agency in the past, uh, Shane. And, and this is all eyes on Cleveland. You're listening to uh, your host, Brad Ward, with special guest tonight, Shane Carter of A to Z Sports Dallas. He writes for them and he's a producer for Flow Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Shane Carter TX. Uh, friend of show, friend of mine, uh, breaking down the Cooper trade, talking a little Browns free agency here. Barry seems to be the kind of guy that wants to free up some flexibility going into the draft. Like he seemed, he'll attack his weaknesses in free agency pretty hard so that he doesn't pigeonhole himself at any point in the draft. It's kind of what he's done in the, in the past, right? And it's worked out well for them that way. I see this move, obviously, and love the move for Cooper. And then we hear about them being in on Allen Robinson today, which to me makes me think, hey, they're going strong after receiver. They want to fill that need and maybe not have to use 13 on it, although I'd like to see them go and get a wide receiver at 13. If they can't get Robinson, I think almost for sure you have to go get a wide receiver at 13. If you had to pick somebody at 13 for the Browns, now we had Jared Mueller on the show who was at the Combine. He's the managing editor at the Browns Wire. He told us from a couple sources he talked to with the Browns that if they had to pick, and this was a week ago, if they had to pick a week ago, the pick would have been Garrett Wilson. Thoughts on what you would do at 13 if you were the Browns? What Amari Cooper does is it allows you to not have to reach for a receiver if you don't want to. But yes. if Garrett Wilson is there at 13, and I think he might be the first receiver taken, that helps you in a lot of ways. I mean, we talked about before, the, there's a lot of Browns fans that are Buckeyes fans, so that would definitely make the fans happy, and that would definitely make Baker <laughs> Mayfield happy because, you know, Garrett Wilson might be the most complete receiver in the draft, at the very least at the top end. There are other guys that do things better than him, but he has that combination of, of uh, route running, hands, speed, and other, and other guys are better than him at certain things, but he has the best combination of it. That's why a lot of people think he'd be the first shooter taken. If he falls to 13, that's a bit of a steal, and that and that would be a value pick. I think he, right now with Coop now uh, in place uh, on your receiving trio, and we'll see what else they do if they do go for a Robinson or a DJ Chark if he's an option or a Juju or whoever. 
Yeah. I think the next logical spot would probably be edge rusher across from Miles Garrett because it doesn't sound like Jadavion Clowney's coming back. And even though you won't, y'all ain't gonna land, y'all ain't gonna land Hutchinson or Thibodeau or one of those top guys. But there are gonna be guys there. I like a Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. I really like this kid. Sure, like him a lot, a lot this year. A lot of people really like the the, the upside of David Ajabo, the other Michigan edge rusher. Absolutely. Um, so I would think that logically, and also you, let's be honest that you're never gonna have, you're never gonna be people irritated when you take an edge rusher in the first round. That's one of those positions you take in the first round. That makes everybody happy because you can never have enough good pass rushers, and especially on a on a uh, I would say a re, I would say a rebuild not a, even a rebuild a replenishing uh, defensive line which which features one of the best if not the best overall edge rusher in the game in Miles Garrett, and so to pair him up with somebody who you would have on the books for four five years if you count the fifth year option would be on a rookie probably, deal probably be the, be the best option. But if you're concerned more with uh, taking care of Baker Mayfield first and Garrett Wilson is there. Garrett would be a smart pick, too. Yeah, I'm good with either one. You know what I mean? It, I, I trust their work, and if they want to go edge rusher there, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, you put a guy finally in place opposite Miles on a rookie deal, and that's a good way to build your roster, right? When you talk about roster construction, you got a guy on a Miles Garrett deal. you got a guy on a rookie deal opposite side him. That that makes sense, right? The thing with Clowney, and I, and I put – in in one of my blueprints this offseason is that I wanted to prioritize Clowney. But when he comes out today, right, and we saw today him talking about he wanted to wait. Once again, he wants to slow play the free agency game. He's done this for a couple years in a row. The Browns benefited from it last year, right, because the market didn't materialize like it could have, right? And they benefited from that in getting him at a little bit lower rate than probably we expected. This year, though, do the Browns want to wait around for him to take offers all over? I don't think they want to do that again. I would be surprised if if they do that. I already know they have some interest in Zadarius Smith, if he's not already been signed while we're talking here for this half hour. But I know they have some interest there um, and and some other guys. But, yeah, I think you either it's either wide receiver Somewhere on the defensive line, you, even inside in the second round, I'd be okay with. There's some guys there, the Georgia guys mainly, that you would hope might be there. Uh, you know, uh, there's a couple other guys there. You know, the kid from Connecticut, uh, Jones, uh, could be there in the second round as an Trevor interior Trevor. defender. Yeah. And then, uh, Trevor Jones, yeah. And then they, um, if they go, Defensive line, first round, David Bell I like a lot. You know, Sky Moore, there's going to be guys in the second round there that contribute right away to this wide receiver room. So either way, I'm good with however they work that out. I don't think you can do it wrong. You know what I mean? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you're never wrong taking defensive linemen, especially edge rusher through there. You mentioned Travis Jones. I like him a lot as a second-round pick. I wouldn't be surprised if he got some first-round buzz just because yeah, it feels like everyone's in up. on the Georgia tackles with Jordan Davis and uh, Devontae Wyatt. I think Jones might be either the consensus or near-consensus third-best defensive tackle, at least prospect. Um, yeah, I would hope, I would like my team to get him in the second round, but I also <laughs> but I also know that how how they how they view those uh, those stopgap defensive tackles those pure nose tackles, and yeah. he's that's one of those positions that my that my franchise doesn't really value as high as others, and you always see him take either on day three or undrafted free agency. You're never going to see him reach for that kind of guy. Yeah, um, yeah, but that's the thing about the draft and. And it really sucks. Like last year, I wanted to go to Cleveland for the draft, but I but I couldn't. Uh, I didn't have my back. I had my vaccine card filled up by the time it started up yet. I am fully vaccinated now, so I'm going to be in Vegas. But I wanted to come to Cleveland last year, and I couldn't make it. You um, going to Vegas for the draft, man? That's I'm going awesome. To Vegas for the draft, yeah, I'll be covering a freight to Z. Um, Good let's think about the draft. Hey. Is players fall every year, and weird things happen all the time. I mean, that's how CD Lamb falls to you at 17. Things like that. Just yeah. Happen. Hey, when you're in Vegas. 
let me hit you up sometime during the draft on the show. Do do a little catch up during some sometime during the draft weekend. You down with that? Hell yeah. Alright, good shit. Good shit. Shane Carter. Coming live to us from draft weekend in Las Vegas on uh, All Eyes on Cleveland here. We're going to get catch up on that. All right, let's talk about the wide receiver market for a minute. I was surprised. Did, did I see – obviously, I saw it wrong. I was running all over the place today working, so I was trying to keep up with everything and, you know, get some thoughts out and keep up with the retweets on the signings and stuff. Uh, who were we talking about earlier that uh, signed the big deal? Uh, the, the kid from – Christian Kirk. Um, I like Kirk a lot. I initially saw eighty-six million. Did somebody do it wrong, and then it was sixty-eight or something? I swear I saw eighty-six million first. Did somebody yeah, mistweet they, they it? Tweeted it out, and then they deleted it. It was sixty-eight, okay. not eighty-six. It was four yeah. years, sixty-eight mil. But the way they structured it out, uh, he could be, he could be out of there by by year three. And a lot of teams yeah. are doing that now. They'll give you the big money up front and save money down 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 the line. Just the, just okay. the cap numbers a little bit lower. That's what, much uh, more realistic. There, twenty million guaranteed. I think I heard that right. Uh, which isn't a ton if it's 68, right? Uh, like you said, they can get out of that when they want to. Um, your guy said Wilson, a guy that I liked a lot, maybe for the Browns as a value guy, gets almost seven million a year or seven million a year about that for three years. Um, Miami, yep, Dolphin, Dolphin sign him. Um, I was surprised he got that much. I thought he was a guy maybe you could get for like three, four, five million. He didn't, I mean, he did step in and he produced. And that's what I liked is I thought he was kind of maybe flying under the radar, but not so much, huh? You think he's got a, a bit, a lot of upside and they'll, and you weren't surprised that he got that much. No, I wasn't surprised because this past year was his breakout season and he had yeah. tight times in the last couple of seasons that where he would have to come in and he would produce for you. But Always. But one of his best assets is his versatility. He played as a punt returner. They use him a lot in the jet sweep. He threw passes. He was, he, had, he was a quarterback in high school, so they had him do wide receiver pass a bunch. He would play uh, a little bit of the X. He, he was primarily a, 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 a rotational YZ type receiver who you could run deep routes. You could run the post. You could run slam routes, out routes. But he became one of Dak's um, – go-to guys down the line along with Dalton Schultz. When they needed a, a, a play, he, he would look at those two guys first more often than not because they were less likely to drop the ball. And with um, and if he had stayed as a wide receiver for, you know, you mentioned 3 or $4 million a year, that might have been a little bit more realistic, but now teams probably view him as a wide receiver three, button wide receiver two with some upside. Yeah. And so his market at the beginning of the season was probably around four to five mil, give or take. Yeah. And then it just jumped up to seven to nine million dollars a year, and the Dolphins probably offered him more, more, uh, gu- more guaranteed money than anybody else. And when you pair him with a Christian Kirk, it looks like they're probably going to uh, looks like they're planning on expanding the offense a little bit to go deep because both those guys can go deep. Yeah, I, I like those moves for the Dolphins. I like both those guys as guys that I thought would. They got more. Both guys got more money than I thought realistically. And, and it seems like that maybe the tier three, tier two wide receivers in this free agent class are getting a little bit more initially than I thought they would get. And that kind of surprises me a little bit with the depth and the strength of the draft class. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, especially considering the, uh, the amount of big names that were available Absolutely. I mean, I mean, there's always going to be a wide receiver on the move every offseason because one, they get paid, and there's always going to be that year where they become a cap casualty if a team it needs to uh, needs to move on, needs to reinvigorate themselves. And even though my opinion of this uh, year's uh, receiver class uh, in the draft, as you brought it up, I don't think it's as strong as last year, the year before that, that had Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, sure. e. Higgins. It ain't as strong as those, but it's still top heavy and it's deep. It has guys that can develop over time. Yeah, um, I think Garrett Garrett Wilson, since since we brought him up, is, is probably going to be one of the first receivers taken. I know a lot of people like Drake London. Drake London has like that old school kind of uh, prototypical size. I think he's 6'4", 220 or something like that. And he can do, do all kinds of stuff for you yeah, at a traditional X receiver. I think, I think a receiver maybe more people need to pay attention to is Chris Olave. Just because I know he's gonna be a first round receiver, but a lot of people just kind of forget about him just because of who he played, who he played with. He caught passes from C.J. Stroud. He was he was uh, paired across from Garrett Wilson, and then of course yeah. you got a uh, Jackson uh, 
the the next the next guy for y'all. I can't remember his name. The re- the receiver. Um, um, I can't I can't remember his name either. You think about the kid from Auburn. No, Trayvon. no, no. no. Ohio, Ohio State. Their next, their next great oh, receiver. Traylon uh, Burks is who I was going to bring up next. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know Ohio State. Who's the next guy in Ohio State? I forgot. I forgot his name, but it's fine. But the point is, like Olave is going to be might might be one of the better deep threats in this receiver class. Yeah, he seems like smooth, more polished. Uh, I think he'll be like more NFL ready right away. I think the upside in Garrett Wilson is a little higher. I did, th- I did hear some people talking. Garrett Wilson and Amari Cooper kind of have some overlap, similar wide receivers, don't you think? A little bit. I think, I think, I think I know where you're coming from in that, like, once he has the ball, they're a lot more physical than their size would probably give off. I think Wilson is, I think Wilson is one of the better route runners in this draft. And I could see where, where the comparison is. I think, yeah, uh, Wilson's probably a little faster than Coop is, especially given all the injuries at this point. Yeah. But I would be interested to see what, uh, because at Ohio State, you, he was able to break off contact a lot. I'd be interested yeah. to see how he can do that in the NFL. Yeah, and you know, he obviously he'll get heavier here when he gets in the NFL and puts on some weight. That's just kind of something that happens with wide receivers in general. I know he's a lot lighter than than uh, Cooper is right now. All right, here's a million dollar question for Browns fans. Okay, Baker Mayfield, or do you give up three ones, a two, uh, Kareem Hunt, and uh, Greedy Williams for uh, Deshaun Watson? I like how you dumped off uh, Kareem and Greedy in there just because you want to you want to get them off the team. I mean, it makes sense for Greedy because y'all's secondary is, is really deep and really top heavy. Probably yeah. one of the better secondaries no one's talking about. Greg Newsom, I loved the pick for y'all last year. He's become elite. Love yeah, Greg Newsom. Uh, yeah, he's a huge upgrade. Obviously, Denzel Ward's one of the top ten cornerbacks in this league. Um, so I can see why you want to throw him in there. Also, he's cheap. <laughs> he's a he's a, set, he's a he's drafted in the second round, right in, in twenty nineteen. Yeah, second round pick. Um, you know, he's a good third corner. He could probably start somewhere. You know, uh, if he's if he's fully recovered from his injury, you know, uh, that injury may end up derailing his career a little. But now would be the time to get off of him if you were if if you could get off of him and trade. That's why I threw him in there. I think you could probably maybe try and sneak in Hooper's contract in there if you wanted to, just because I'm not sure. move off of him. Uh, sure. But the question, I guess the question really is like, do you want to move all that stuff or do you want to go with Baker one more time? The thing That's with that question. is you already picked up Baker's fifth year option. So it seems like yeah. they've already made the decision and, so, and what you've already done for Baker, uh, Deshaun would essentially inherit. Y'all rebuilt the offensive line. And from left tackle all the way over to right tackle, the Browns might have one of the deepest, if not the deepest offensive line as long as uh, your guys can stay healthy. Um, but, I mean, let's be honest. Deshaun Watson is, ha, took, took a year off, but he is the better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Well, Baker yeah. Mayfield has uh, – but he, did, he Baker Mayfield obviously has the love of the fan base, or at least it seems like he does. I don't know how you feel about Baker. Um, so, so I, let, I think, here, let, let, let me hit on that real quick, okay? Okay. I, I feel that I'm fully prepared to bring Baker back. Because I have seen him be successful, and I think that he can be again. I attribute a lot of the struggles, some to the injury, and some to mentally he was not, he was a mess. He was kind of a basket case last year mentally, okay? He was all over the place mentally. And he didn't see the field well, and he didn't hit open receivers, and he just had a really shitty year. But... Before he got hurt, he looked great. First two games, he looked great. And then it kind of, the injury just kind of derailed everything and it kind of snowballed and got worse for me. I feel like I'm ready to give him another year. But here's the problem. And I, and this is where fans, and fans feel pretty strongly here. I want to say it's like 50 50, in my opinion, Shane, in Cleveland. 50% of fans are ready to get off of Baker now. And they, they feel like they've seen enough. 50 are probably in, like, okay, I want to see Baker another year. I, I believe that he can be the guy here. The problem is this. If you roll with Baker for one more year, what's the plan if it doesn't work? 
you end up probably having to spend the same kind of capital to get up high in a draft pick and get another number one guy if you really want to do that. When is the opportunity, I get this point, right? When is the opportunity going to come around again where you can get a proven young quarterback who you know has Super Bowl upside now? Like, I think I want to go with Baker, but I see that point, right? Like, if you miss, if you're wrong about him, you're going to have to probably give up a lot of capital to get up and get your guy anyways, right? So why not get the guy that's proven now? But here's what I think, what Barry ultimately, when you think of someone's self-interest, like a GM and a coach, ultimately I think they can fall back on this, right? Baker one more year. If it doesn't work, they can pitch to ownership and successfully pitch, in my opinion. We never had our guy here. So we deserve to get our chance to get our quarterback in here, right? Barry and Stefanski. We've never had our guy. It's been Baker the whole time. And they can pitch that and keep their jobs and probably get another couple years with whoever they pick or whoever they get at that point. So I see it from all perspectives. I'm ready to give Baker another chance. But I see the point where it makes sense to spend the capital now and go after Watson. Uh, thoughts on that stuff? And that's the thing is that a quarterback like Deshaun Watson being available for trade has never happened. It just doesn't happen. Teams, like when yeah. they have a quarterback, they hold on to him. And Houston Absolutely. royally messed this up. And you're right. And let's just, and we can, it can be real. As much as as much as much Baker might mean to the city of Cleveland, he brought you out of the playoffs for the first time in, what was it, like uh, almost 30 years or something like that? Yeah. Oh, sorry, 20, 20 years, yeah, because it was 2002. Yeah. He, he, he brought you out his first winning seasons in, in – 10 years. It was, I think it was Joe Thomas's rookie year last time y'all had a winning season. And yeah. and so y'all indebted, indebted to him for that. But you also have to ask yourself is if this most recent Baker Mayfield is going to be the Baker Mayfield going forward. And I know part of it was the part of it was the it was the peck. Part of it was it was injuries. Part of it was like the connection with Odell was never there. There's all kinds of stuff, right? All kinds of stuff. But if we're just being real about it. The dislocated shoulder was the main thing. Yeah, you can't throw you can't throw with with a dislocated shoulder. You can't throw with just one shoulder. Yeah, even if it's your off shoulder, right? I mean, because yeah. he's he's a smaller guy. He uses his whole body to throw. I mean, well, we've discussed this at length. You know, we beat this horse to death. Is you know, I would go over his throwing motion and why it's different and why he's off and overcompensating and undercompensating. It's just it's just hard to get in that rhythm when you're you can't use your front shoulder the same way. Yeah, but and and that's and that's the other thing is one is Deshaun is a year off. He's healthy. He's healthy. costing you less than some of those other quarterbacks are costing. He's still he's still under contract. People forget he's still under contract. So he's, he's gonna and that contract's gonna be a bargain in a couple. Oh of years. yeah, he's gonna earn thirty five million this year. And considering the rest of the top end quarterbacks in the league, that's ten. It's gonna be about ten million dollars less than the, than, the, than the average yeah. of the top quarterbacks. Yeah. Not counting Aaron Rodgers who fleeced let's just be called he fleeced uh green bay for that poor jordan love um and also he's, and also he's mobile he's mobile so even if you have a, 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 a situation where you're down another offensive lineman and they're having a hard time he can evade it better than baker mayfield could baker yeah. has what i call pocket mobility and then he can escape pressure and get rid of the ball where deshaun is a lot more of a weapon with his legs than anything else and, and so we're just talking about who's the better quarterback it's deshaun so this no is going to come down more to loyalty versus um what we're trying to achieve yeah and just roster building as a whole like because andrew barry has preached sustained success which doesn't mean mortgaging the future right but with this opportunity only comes along so often i think is what people are banging the table about here in cleveland it, n it never happens. Quarterbacks never. Of, of this level, of this you, of this, of his age, of this skill, they're never available. And obviously, the reasons why he's available and the and the court cases around it—that's like that's a different conversation for a different day, for a different show, for a different person. <laughs> you know, but I don't even think they'd be kicking the tires on him the way they are if he wouldn't have been uh, or not. You know, he was not indicted. Right. Uh, you know in criminal court which is surprising honestly because you know to get an indictment is not difficult generally speaking um in a criminal case you know there's only there's a small hurdle uh of proof 
for the prosecutor. So the fact that they weren't able to indict him is probably why so many teams are kicking the tires now and interested. Yeah, and it, honestly, it looks like the Saints and the Panthers are the favorites. Just yeah, um, visit set up. Yeah, the Panthers have not only assets on their team because the the Texans want picks and players. The Panthers have players they can move off of, and it would help the Texans out. They have picks they can move off of that would help the Texans out. Panthers, I think, are picking sixth if I remember right. They're picking yeah. down more, and I doubt they want to go another year with Sam Darnold, who I gave a second chance to because I was big on him, but he it didn't work out there. Did not. I think, and and honestly, I think the reason he might like Carolina too is just because he played college football in Carolina, but right a bunch of Panther fans. Sure. So he's he's going to go back to a place where he's loved, and and more often than not, if you, if you can't go to a place where you can win, you want to go to where you're loved, and he right now he might need that. But if if you're asking me from a Browns perspective, if I was Andrew Barry, I would do whatever I could to get Watson just on as on, on the players aspect of it. I, as a person, I have to ask myself what my values are just because of the way sure. sure. But again, that's a different conversation. It, yeah, it gets a lot harder uh, as a fan, as a pure fan of the sport and as a person. Yeah, and it's, it's multifaceted, right, uh, discussion. But as a breakdown, sure, it, it's very intriguing as a, you know, as the upside that he would, um, he would immediately change this really good roster and make it Super Bowl caliber, you know, a Super Bowl chance roster. Now, can Baker ever get there? I think he could, and I'm not willing to give up on that. And I don't, you know, so it's not that I'm not willing to. I would be not totally against getting Watson. It's just that I'm more in favor of... um, seeing what Baker has one more year because I think I think that he can be the guy and and I'm not I haven't given up on that yet a lot of people have in this town to be to be honest uh he, he he's having a tough time of it in Cleveland um, I would say this is that is that you can any any quarterback can win a Super Bowl and it doesn't matter how long it takes Matthew Stafford just just won one age 34 after so many years in Detroit Brad, yeah. Brad Smith won a quarterback Trent Dilfer won, won, a, won a Super Bowl not a quarterback uh, Joe Flacco <laughs> won a Super Bowl. Yeah. And the, the reality is that the quarterback might lead the team, but the most important factor in winning the Super Bowl is coaching and scheme. Because because if you're if you're a, if you're an NFL quarterback, you can go into any situation and win as long as everything meshes up just right. And when people and if it was really down to quarterback, then Aaron Rodgers would have more than one championship at this point, right? Sure. If, if people were believing that it's all on the quarterback, and it's not. Yeah. Everything around it has to mesh as well. It has to be perfect. Not everybody can be Belichick and have everything just work out year after year. Sometimes, sometimes it's just the right time and with the right people. More anything else? No, I, and I totally agree with that. It's just that here's the thing: I think that that maybe that a lot of people are looking at right. The AFC is just absolutely now loaded with elite quarterbacks and elite teams, right? The AFC is, you know. Now that Russell Wilson was with the Broncos and you've got the entire AFC West with elite quarterbacks, right? And you've got the, uh, if you just look around the Browns division, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow takes the Bengals to a Super Bowl, right? Uh, you know, I, I, Trubisky to the Steelers. What do you think of that? Trubisky, they think he's the guy. What do you think? Trubisky, I don't get the, I don't get the Trubisky hype, right? Like, I, I'm not against Mitchell Trubisky, but the guy didn't play it down, right? So, like, he, I mean, he basically nobody wanted him last year. He went and sat for a year, and now everybody wants him. Explain that to me. I think the Steelers got better at quarterback with Trubisky. That's not hard though. That's not hard though. But they over still got Mason Rudolph position, but they got but they got better at the most important position. But also sure. Trubisky, all what he sure. does, he doesn't prevent you from drafting a quarterback, but it gives you an uh, an upgrade at the position. Yeah, he's and better I than think, Mason Rudolph, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean. There's a lot of quarterbacks that I have over Mason Rudolph. It ain't hard to do that either. <laughs> no, no, that's that's my point. Yeah, I mean, you, you're probably better than Mason Rudolph. So, uh, all right, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> uh, all right, let's wrap things up. Hey, I'm gonna throw this in. Anything you know about the guy? 
I did a little research on him. The Browns signed Taven Bryant today, and they need help on the defensive line. And this seems like a rotational piece or one of those. This is the Andrew Barry, Andrew Barry special. He loves these picks, right? He loves these first rounders that didn't work out, that have great, uh, you know, athletic upside, that didn't work out wherever they were drafted. He loves taking a shot on these guys. Here's Taven Bryant. He's a monster athlete. Uh, he ran like a 49840. Uh, it was terrific at Florida, uh, has been just a rotational piece and disappointing as a first-round pick for the Jaguars. Um, he comes to the Browns on what is, they're saying, up to $5 million. I, It's probably around 2 or 3 with some incentives, I'm guessing, um, as a rotational piece. Thoughts on him? You know, I didn't see Jacksonville play a whole lot, but I do have some people that, uh, that I know that cover the Jags. And Taven Bryant, obviously, he was he was drafted in the top five of that year's draft, and he obviously hadn't panned out the way they wanted him to. I think he's going to come in, and he has he has some upside as a rotational defensive tackle. Pri- probably going to play primarily at the three, maybe flex in at the one. I know I know he can do both, but he's primarily yeah. going to be used on rundowns more than anything, anything else, and it shouldn't stop y'all from upgrading the position regardless. Um, but as a as a Death piece is actually not a bad pickup, especially for the contract yeah. you're given. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think it's a it's another body to throw in there, you know, with your your togi and and your guys that are on the roster that haven't really proven much, um, and, and let them battle it out. You know, and and maybe he he shines right. Maybe he finds the scheme and 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 plays with uh, more upside, but. It's not, yeah, you're absolutely right. It should not stop them from going out and still getting. They still need to get two starting interior defensive linemen and a, and a full time or a three down defensive end opposite Miles and another edge to play out there, um, like they did with Tack McKinley last year. And that's just what they need. They need four start almost starting caliber, three starting caliber. Defense alignment and a guy that's fringe, right? Off the edge. That's what they did last year, and that's what they need this year. Uh, so we'll be interesting to see how they fill those holes. I expect them to be in on. I don't know who's going to be free because the defensive free agency defensive tackle class is, is dog shit. Let's be real. Uh, it's not great, right? But there are going to be some guys that get cut and some interesting guys that, you know, open up and become free agents here as things develop. Day two, day three into free agency here, I think they'll be more active along the defensive line and trying to add some pieces there. So that, that should be interesting, I think. You know, since you mentioned defensive linemen, um, I can I can name you one guy, and it's a guy that played for my team. Uh, he's, he was a guy that was primarily their defensive end three, Dorrance Armstrong, who came out yes. of that season with the Cowboys with five sacks, and I believe – uh, it was six tackles for loss. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he, he has breakout season as a rotational edge rusher behind both Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence. And when they're using Michael Parsons, both on the edge and, and off ball in the middle, he had his best season. He also played a little bit of special teams. And I don't know if the Cowboys are going to be able to sign him or if they want to because they drafted a guy in Chauncey Golson last year who I think they view as that next uh, rotational guy that they can use on the outside and inside and on special teams. So if you're looking for a guy in that in that regard, he might not cost you a whole lot of money. I think he I think just but he's all but he also plays a premium position. That's why it's hard to gauge his market because edge rusher, as we as we both know, is one of those uh, positions that you can never have enough of. You can't overpay enough of, but you can also sometimes like overpay if it's the right if it's the wrong guy. I think he might be able to bring up anywhere from five to eight mil a year if y'all could swing that. Um, but it likely means you have to start him, but you can still go out there and get another another edge rush if you wanted to. It wouldn't stop you. Either. He's kind of like an, he's kind of like an Amari Cooper, and in the in the fact that he he improves what you got now, but it won't it yeah. shouldn't stop you from still adding depth to it. Sure, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's definitely a name to keep an eye on. There's some guys out there too, like you know, I would love for them just to go get Zedarius Smith on a one-year deal. I think that would be a good fit, and I have to worry about Clowney and work from there. So, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, I want Zedarius just from my team, but I mean, I know how my team is a free agency. Yeah, you guys like your what? You guys like your your your. your special, uh, your offensive uh, specialty players, right? Your running backs, your your wide receivers, your tight ends. That's you guys like the offensive side of the ball, and your specialty players. That's just the cowboy way, right? 
it seems like we're real selective on what positions we pay and when we pay them because yeah, we normally don't pay for tight ends, but we just tag Dalton Schultz and they have until July 15th. So we'll work on an extension on that. Uh, hey, Browns did the same thing. And you know what, though? This year, uh, because of the tight end market, the tag is actually a bargain. Uh, because of where the, the tag number ended up based on contracts this year. So a lot of teams tagged their tight ends this year because the tag is lower than it probably should be uh, in that market. Browns did the same with Njoku. Uh, we'll see if they can work out a deal too. I, I like Dalton Schultz a lot, though. I think he's a good player. I do too. I think people are going way too hard on him. I understand that he's, he has deteriorated as a blocker, but he's become more of an asset in the passing game to where now it's like, why are you asking, why are you asking Dalton Schultz to block edge rushers in the first place? Like I, I don't know, I don't know any tight end that actually wants to block a defensive lineman. They they should br- uh, primarily block your linebackers of anything else. Let your yeah. starting five be the guys yep. to block your defensive lineman. But and as a receiver, he's just improved every year. He's he's been there, especially his last two years, catching over 140 passes, and he is Dak's security blanket. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to be a lot higher on him than a lot of people, especially in my neck of the woods, are going to be. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. I, I think that's a smart move for Dallas. He's a uh, He's just and he's getting better as a pass catcher too every year. So I feel like uh, he he's he does the job there. Uh, and guys get better every year they're in the league as tight ends at blocking too. You know you just can't ask them to do too much, right? Like you were saying. So uh, good stuff, Shane. Uh, appreciate your time tonight. We're gonna get out of here on all eyes on Cleveland. Uh, this is the Amari Cooper uh, trade to the Browns and. Um, legal tampering period react show with shane carter at shane carter tx on the twitters he is a producer for flow sports and writer for a to z sports in dallas covering the dallas cowboys any parting thoughts for us tonight shane i'd say and, and I say this every year, but I'm going to say it on the show just so I can reach an, another another audience, is that if you think your team had no shot or prospect, don't say that because they fall every year. So so keep the faith. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Everybody's got to keep the faith. Look at the Bengals, man. They went to the Super Bowl. Who would have thought it two years ago? They were just got Joe off. Burrow did. Joe Burrow's got, got this out-of-this-world confidence, though. But but uh, you see what they're doing with them. They're building a new offensive line for them. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that, the Bengals. Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, yeah, but you yeah, know but the I mean. Steelers are, are, are – it seems like the Bengals are taking the Steelers' place. At least the Browns hadn't gotten worse, worse. The Browns are still, like, in a stable position. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they can have a bounce-back year. They still have a really good roster. Their defense should be really good if they can if they can take care of that defensive line. I mean, their defense was playing so good at the end of last year. It's a shame what happened to Malik McDowell. Because uh, he had really filled that role uh, that they got to go out and fill now. So, uh, sad case, but that's what happens when you gamble on things like that, which brings us kind of back to Deshaun Watson in a weird way. But uh, we're going to get out of here on that note. More Browns news to come for sure. Uh, stay tuned to All Eyes on Cleveland, your favorite Browns podcast. Um, and thanks to Shane Carter uh, for Mikey on the ones and twos for Shane. Uh, in Texas, I am Brad Ward. We are out.